Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 10 of Genesis chapter 11. We're going to begin by looking at Genesis 11 verses 29 and 30. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. In our last study, we were discussing Milcah, Nahor's wife, as God gives us additional information in Genesis chapter 22, beginning in verse 20. It says, And it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Behold, Milcah, she hath also borne children unto thy brother Nahor, Huz, his firstborn, and Buz, his brother, and Kemuel, the father of Aram, and Chesed, and Hazo, and Pildash, and Jidlif, and Bethuel. And Bethuel begat Rebekah, these eight. Milcah did bear to Nahor, Abraham's brother. And his concubine, whose name was Rayuma, she bare also Teba, and Gehem, and Thahash, and Maakcha. Uh, as I mentioned in the last study, we, we see here uh, an interesting picture with the children of Nahor, and his two wives, Milcah and the concubine. Milcah bore eight children, eight sons, the concubine four, totaling twelve. And that number reminds us of the sons of Israel, or Jacob, as he had wives with Leah, Rachel, and a concubine, or a handmaid of both of them. And the total was that Leah had six sons, her handmaid had two sons by Jacob, and, and that meant, because they were credited to Leah, that she bore eight. Then Rachel had two sons, Joseph and Benjamin, and her handmaid also had two sons by Jacob, and Rachel was credited with four, totaling twelve, and the breakdown between these two wives of Jacob was eight, for Leah, for for Rachel, even though some of them were of the concubine. And um, we looked at that before, and we saw how there's a one-third, two-third relationship where Rachel, whose name means ewe lamb or, or sheep, is representative of God's elect or, or the children she bore, and Leah was representative of those that are not God's elect, two-third. Just as God um, later breaks it down in uh, Zechariah 
chapter 13. And I'm, I'm going to turn there to read it in Zechariah 13. It says in verse 8, And shall come to pass, that in all the land, saith Jehovah, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein, and I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call my name, and I will hear them. I will say, It is my people, and they shall say, Jehovah is my God. And that's a biblical principle or a figure that God uses as he looks out over the whole of mankind. He uses the figure one-third to represent his people, two-thirds to represent the rest of the unsaved inhabitants of the earth. Now, it became so identified, one-third, with the people of God, that the church, the New Testament church and congregations, took upon itself that identification of one-third, and that's why in the book of Revelation, when the Lord is describing the judgment that begins on the house of God or on the corporate church in Revelation chapter 8, it's spoken of as a judgment on the third part, the third part, the third part, again and again and again. And that's language indicating that it is where the word of God was found, it is where the elect were found, that true third part that are brought through the fire. And also, Significantly, when judgment began at the house of God, beginning in 1988, the 13,000th year of Earth's history, until about uh, 2011, May 21, when it concluded and the full 23-year judgment period had come to an end, the population of the world was, was between 6 and 7 billion, and the number of professed Christians in the world was about... 2 billion, or roughly one-third. One-third professed Christian, two-third the rest of humanity. All the other religions, atheists, secularists, and so as God identified judgment on the third part, it, it was almost very literal. As the corporate church, which was filled by that time with uh, overwhelming majority of tares of unsaved people did number, it's just an estimate, about two billion or one third of all mankind. And, and so the corporate body took that identification. But as Zechariah 13, 8 and 9 indicates, there it's not the corporate body, but it's the true believers that are brought through the fire purified as gold and silver as they come through the fire. It's the same picture in Second Samuel chapter 8 and the first couple of verses where it says, And after this it came to pass that David smote the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Methegamah out of the hand of the Philistines and he smote Moab and measured them with a line, casting them down to the ground, even with two lines measured he to put to death. 
and with one full line to keep alive. And so the Moabites became David's servants and brought gifts. And and that's exactly what God's election program did. Here, here are all Moabites, so to speak, and God decides with a line, and the, and the line can be identified with the word of God, I'm going to spare a third part and put to death the other two-thirds. Or with Zechariah 13, we do read, two-thirds are cut off and die. The third part brought through a fire, yet are spared. They live. And that is picturing, again, God's salvation program at work, which we have um, maybe just being touched on with Milka and Reuma and their children, eight for one, four for the other. Again, one-third for Reuma, two-third for Milka. Now, we're, we're not familiar with either of these women. We're not even all that familiar with Nahor. But, but again, that's why I said touches upon. I don't think this is a very in-depth kind of teaching that the Lord is making, but, but just maybe a, a, a surface picture. For instance, the name Milka, Nahor's wife, is Strong's number in the Hebrew, 44. 35. It is from 4436. And 4436 in Strong's Concordance is the Hebrew word for queen. Milka means queen. And remember what we read of Babylon in Revelation chapter 18. It says in verse 7, how much She has glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Babylon is likened to a queen, and that's exactly what the name Milka means. And keep in mind that Terah and his three sons... They spent a considerable amount of time. It was the land of their nativity, Ur of the Chaldees. And the Chaldeans are um, Babylonians, basically. Uh, when we read in the Bible about Chaldee or, or the Chaldeans, it's synonymous with Babylonians. And so, going back to verse 28, Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees, and Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren, she had no child. It gives the appearance that they took these wives while they were in Ur of the Chaldees, making Milcah a Babylonian. And so we can definitely see the tie-in with Revelation 18.7 as the Lord is um, sort of personifying Babylon and she's saying, I sit a queen. And here is Milcah, whose very name means queen. And she bears eight children in a marriage to Nahor. And 
Now, um, I'll just mention, I, I don't know what to make of it, really, but the name Nahor um, comes from a word that means nostrils or snorting, um, and, and actually nostrils, uh, from what I could see, was was used two times, this word, and snorting one time, and in all three instances, it had to do with horses. And, and so, again... Not exactly sure what to make of that, but but we we do know something about Nahor and who he represents, and and we'll discuss that in a little bit. But but anyway, Nahor has two wives, Milka the queen, who identifies with Babylon, and Reuma, and Milka has more sons, more children. She has eight sons. We're, we're not really told about daughters. And Reuma has four. Milka has two-thirds, therefore, of all Nahor's children. And Reuma, his concubine, has a, a third part. And Reuma, the name or the Hebrew word Reuma, 7208, 7208, is from 7213. And it's only found one time in the Bible, it's in Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 10. All the land shall be turned as a plain from Geba to Rimmon, south of Jerusalem, and it shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place. It's the word lifted up. That's the word that identifies with Reuma. And it's very difficult, that verse, to uh, sort of make out exactly what's in view, but we we do know the idea or the picture of being lifted up. Well, that very picture relates to salvation. When we're saved, what's happened? Uh, Christ gave a description of uh, himself being a ladder and angels of God or messengers ascending upon it and then descending. Or, when we become saved, Ephesians tells us we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're lifted up. We're raised up. There's a resurrection of the soul. And and to be resurrected means to rise up. The dead, in the day of resurrection, are said to rise up. And, and so I know that's very loose. It, it's not, it's not really that solid, but it's the only time the word is used that can help us understand the name Reuma. And it has to do with rising. It has to do with being lifted up. There are some uh, historical parables that God gives in the Bible and, and they're very well laid out or fleshed out. Uh, there, there's much more information. And here, we're just going on a few verses that speak of Nahor's wives and, and the children they have. But it, it, again, it is similar to Jacob, and it definitely relates to this picture God has developed in several places in the Bible regarding saving one-third and not saving two-third, one-third, two-third relationship. And actually... One reason, a strong reason why I think it is in view here, is because Terah had three sons. 
And as we mentioned in the last Bible study, when he was born, 2297 is extremely significant as far as a time path. And, and by the way, it's not only a time path to 2033, but there is also a time path to 1994, the year of the second jubilee, the year that that concluded. And the time path from 2297, you, you, you just take that number plus 1994. It's an actual year's time path. So you minus one, then you break down that number. And I believe it's 4290 and you get three the purpose of God times 10 completeness times 11, which identifies with the first coming of Christ times 13 identifies with the second coming in the end of the world. Each one significant, just as we spoke of the uh, great significance of the number breakdown for 2033, which I think it was three times three times 13 times 37. And, and each one extremely significant and full of biblical meaning. Well, Tara really is representative of the human race or of the world itself. Tara has three sons. And we know that his one son, it was Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Uh, we, we know that, um, let's see, was it Haran? Yeah, Haran in verse 28. Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. We also know that Abram is going to leave Haran and enter into the land of Canaan. And we know that Nahor stays back or stays behind. He does not enter into Canaan. Only Abram, Sarai, and Lot enter into Canaan. And uh, this is referred to in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 2. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith Jehovah, God of Israel, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. You see, here God is speaking of Terah, and his three sons, and he tells us they served other gods. And, you know, there there is some evidence as we read the account of Terah or Nahor or Haran, and there, there appears to be some evidence, well, maybe they had some relationship with the God of the Bible, the true God. But here we're told specifically, no, no, they were serving other gods, not the true God. And it was on the other side of the flood. And that word flood is not referring to Noah's flood. If you look up the word, it's actually a word that means river. It was the other side of the river. And on that other side of the river, they lived. 
first in Ur of the Chaldees for a time, and then they moved to Haran. And uh, it's interesting if we go back here to Genesis 11, it says in verse 31, And Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. Now notice this statement. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. So it was their intention. It was Terah's intention. It, it was all of his sons, except for the one who died. It was all their intention to go into the land of Canaan right from the start. But they dwelt in Haran, and in Haran they worshipped other gods on that side of the river. And ultimately, it was only Abram, only Abram who would become Abraham, who, uh, as it said in Joshua, um, and, and I'll read it, make sure I... I say it right in Joshua 24, 3. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood or the other side of the river. That is, God chose Abram. God drew Abram, maybe is a good word that we read in John 6, verse 44. Um, no man can come to me except the father draw him. God took Abram, from that side the river, the side where other gods are being served, and brought him over the flood, over the river, and Abram and Lot, and what do we know about Lot? The Bible calls Lot the righteous, and and that's another figure, but Lot was himself a child of God, representative of the righteous or the elect. Abram crossed the river as well as Sarai, but but with the three sons of Terah, the, the picture, the emphasis is really upon him. He, he was taken, he crossed the river into Canaan. Canaan picturing the kingdom of God, and, and of course it, it has various pictures associated with that. You, you can become saved in your soul and gain citizenship, be seated in heavenly places and so forth. And there's also the matter of the final salvation of the body and entry into the new heaven and new earth, which Canaan can picture. And and so Abram is brought across the flood. Now the flood or the river, the, the river is a picture of hell or the grave. And everyone that God brings over must cross the river. And and so these three sons of Terah, Terah picturing the world, and out of the world comes these three. Two of them never cross the river, Haran and Nahor. They never make it over. There's an intention. There's a desire. There There's a want-to in some ways. As people, as mankind, yeah, they want to get right with God or they want to have at least some security blanket. 
with the God of their understanding and their religion or with an altered, changed, perverted gospel, one that changes grace to works of some kind. And yes, men are, are willing to accept Christ, to be baptized. I'll, I'll take these few steps as long as I can have that assurance that, that I'm now right with God. And I don't have to worry about it anymore. And literally they, they really stop thinking about God, uh, for the most part. And they now are free to focus on the world, go after their worldly desires, do the things they wish to do in the world. And having taken care of that little matter of salvation and, and then at the proper time upon death, Oh God, remember I accepted you. Remember I was baptized and now bring me into heaven. Bring me across the flood. And no, it doesn't work that way. God determines who to bring over. It is his elect, the predestinated ones. Abram crosses over. And, it, and it's a picture of going through the fire, like Zechariah 13 spoke of. Two-thirds cut off and die. Nahor, Haran, one-third I will bring through the fire, or bring through the flood. They will go through this experience of death and hell. First off, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ at the foundation of the world, that's the baptism they must be baptized with, having their sins thoroughly purged, cleansed, and now they're washed, they're baptized by the Holy Spirit. But as Christ said to James and John, that they would be baptized with the baptism he was baptized with, future tense, therefore not referring back to eternity past at the foundation of the world, but uh, again, something to come, something in the future, and, and that's where we're at at this point. As we're living on the earth in the day of judgment, going through uh, day by day the judgment process, making an appearance before the judgment seat, as God has brought the world into the condition of hell or death, and we're going through the flood. There, There is the matter, again, of salvation accomplished at the cross, or uh, excuse me, there, there was a cross at the foundation of the world, as the cross is representative of uh, a, a shameful death, and that's what Christ died at the foundation of the world. He became a curse for us, and and so that's when we were saved and and salvation guaranteed. But now there's an actual matter of the salvation of the body and the entrance into Canaan, uh, and in that uh, sort of understanding of finally being brought into the new heaven and new earth. And and so again, God brings the third part through the fire. That the, the reference to gold and silver relates to 1 Corinthians 3. And the day, the fire will declare it. The fire will reveal it. The fire of hellfire, the, the grave, the death condition of the world, and so forth. So we we really see a picture of that, especially, and we'll discuss this in our next study as we move on into chapter 12, given the age of Terah when Abram was born. 
Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.